Greetings once again, Retreat Church. Thank you for joining us online today. Hey, I think it's become obvious to a lot of us that we um, don't always behave our best, right? And uh, one of the major things that you and I struggle with and that seems to be a massive problem in humanity is always acting in a mature fashion and living up to the maturity that we should have um, attained as a society and as a culture and even in our own homes and in our individual lives. But sometimes that seems to be a struggle. And what may be going on today when we look across our, our country and uh, we see the lack of maturity could be because of the high level of frustration, um, could be because of the high level of anxiety and all the things that, that we're dealing with today. But as we look to that, we look to that issue of maturity, we start to see that as we um, are confronted by that problem today, and as that problem is so painfully obvious, um, as we watch people um, lash out in name calling, um, things that we say we're just joking, um, but in reality we're just acting like little children, um, you see fits of, of rage and anger, this inability to control the emotion that we have, even in times when we have a legitimate reason to be upset and a legitimate reason to be angry, but to be able to process that anger and that frustration um, in a way that's productive and that brings unity and brings real answers is a real struggle for our community. And there are several reasons why that is happening. And before we get to some of those reasons, which we will today, um, we want to look at this and realize that in the scriptures, God tells us in the book of Ephesians that um, one of the major reasons why he has founded the church is to create a community that is equipped and that it is mature. And it is equipped for ministry, for meeting needs, and it is a mature community living out the example set for us by Jesus Christ. And so um, let's dive into that a little bit today as we conclude our series on our why, looking at reason number five, that God founded the church to form an equipped and mature community of believers. Let's turn to the Bible now in Ephesians chapter 4, looking at verses um, 11 through 14, where we notice this. It says, um, and he, being Jesus and God, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers... So he gave these leaders, right, in the church, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro, by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body is joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. What an amazing passage of scripture. And really when we start comparing that to what's going on in our culture, we start to see this immense need and incredible opportunity for the church to be the church. 
Now I know what you're thinking. You're thinking of all the immature Christians that you know. You're thinking of all of the immature churches that you know. And I'm, I'm there with you. I'm probably um, to blame for some of that as well. I have my moments when I act immature. I'm sure those of us at the retreat church, we have our moments as well. But this is why I'm teaching on this so that we can see one of the major reasons why God founded the church in the first place, that we need to start stepping into that. And that we as a church community and local church fellowships all across the country and across the world, we need to, we must begin or at least grow in our stepping into the purposes for which God has created us. Because there is a lot of talk in church circles today about a mission and um, and vision and why you exist and all of these things. And it seems to me as a pastor and knowing a lot of of pastors, that we get to this place where we think we need to create that ourselves, and we think that we need to come up with a mission statement, or we need to come up with a vision, or we need to come up with a why. And what we need to do, instead of just coming up with those on our own, based upon our own desires or our own dreams, but what we need to do is go back to the scriptures and realize why God founded the church in the first place and begin to step into those reasons and then the local mission and the local vision for congregations becomes a contextualization of these reasons why and so that's why we've been focusing so much on this over the last five weeks and you see the immense need in our culture for a mature group of people or at least a mature individual because maturity is sorely lacking in our communities today and this creates a wonderful opportunity and a wonderful responsibility for the church. So let's step into some of these things that the, that the passage is teaching us today. Because we, as we observe the text, we start to see that God has given leaders to the church for the purposes of equipping the members of the church for the ministry of the church. You see, that sometimes gets a little twisted in the church. We think that the pastors and the leaders come in and they do all of the ministry. And then people just show up. That... The members of the church just show up. They show up to the worship services. They show up to the studies. They show up to the events. They show up to the programs. And they show up and receive. And the leaders show up and give. That's not the New Testament church. That is not for the reasons why God um, gave us pastors and leaders and teachers. And that's not, dear members of the church, what the Bible calls saints. That is not your role. Your role is not to just show up and receive. That is not it at all. You are to be showing up to your local fellowships so that you can be equipped to minister to one another. And as the church is ministering to one another, it will grow in maturity, building itself up in love. And one of the reasons why so many churches struggle to make an impact in their community is because the members of the church are just showing up and the pastors are trying to do everything. The pastors are trying to put on a show to get more people and the whole thing gets a bit convoluted. The whole thing gets distorted and we start understanding, we stop understanding the reason why God founded the church in the first place. So observation number one, God gave leaders to equip saints so that saints will minister one to another. And the second reason our second observation that we start looking at is this, that an equipped and mature church has certain markers, certain indications. You know, when we show up at a church today, uh, many people, they'll show up and, and they'll immediately start thinking, well, am I greeted properly? 
Um, is, is the atmosphere conducive for what I want to experience? Is, is the music the, the style that I like? Is the preacher the style that I like? Do they have, you know, all the signs pointing to the nursery and to do it? In other words, many people today show up to church saying, I, I will judge my experience based upon my satisfaction level and my receiving what I came here to receive. And in fact, that has nothing to do or very little to do with the level of maturity at a church. It may mean that the church has a lot of money. It may mean that the church has a lot of volunteers. It may mean that the church can put on a good production. It may mean that, um, and it may not. But also, um, it's not an indication of its real maturity. So what are the indicators? Well, the indicators, according to the scripture that we have before us, are this. The first one is that there's unified in faith and knowledge of Jesus. In other words, they've shown up, they've gathered together because they believe in Jesus, and they believe that Jesus is the one that is bridging the gap between us and the Lord, that Jesus is our Lord and Savior, and we are coming to be better equipped followers of Jesus Christ, and all that Jesus said about himself we are embracing, we are learning, we are growing in, and we're becoming better followers of Jesus Christ. And that following Jesus Christ becomes the basis for how we behave in all other areas of our life. And so whether you're showing up at a home church, whether you're showing up at a big church, whether you're showing up at an in-between church, whether no matter the numbers, and no matter the style, and no matter the atmosphere are people gathering in that location to become better followers of Jesus Christ, fully equipped, ready to serve one another. When is the last time that you showed up at your church campus and your mindset was to become a better follower of Jesus and to meet the needs of other people to come and to serve? You learn how to be a better servant and a better minister to the people that were in your life. That is a sign of a healthy church. A second sign of a well-equipped and mature church is their ability to withstand false doctrine, human cunning, craftiness, and deceitful schemes. In other words, can you tell the truth? Can you um, learn the truth? Can you discern truth from error? Lies from people telling the truth, from schemes to people actually working towards your benefit. That is a hard thing for us today, isn't it? As the, the distrust of leadership in general grows. And I'm not talking just about political leadership or medical um, leadership, but church leadership, leadership in your workplaces. Leadership in general is struggling with this um, lack of trust and lack of buy-in because there's been so much deceit, because there's been so much manipulation, and leadership can cross into manipulation very, very quickly. Whenever a leader has their own agenda and they want to win for themselves, that's manipulation. But when a leader wants to benefit his followers and the people that are part of his organization, and he's looking for them to win, and he's looking for them to succeed, and he's looking for them to have their needs met, and for them to come together as an equipped community, that's leadership. So if we're asking the question, who's trying to win? Is a pastor trying to win and fulfill whatever's going on in his or her heart? Or is he trying to create wins for his community and for her community as they come together in becoming followers of Jesus Christ? So 
Are we united in our knowledge of Jesus? And are we able to withstand false doctrine, human cunning, craftiness, and deceitful schemes? That's another sign of a mature church. Look at this example found in the book of Hebrews, chapter 5, reading verses 11 through 14. It says this, About this we have much to say, and that's growing up, <laughs> and it is hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you, again, the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he's a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Did you notice that? By con their powers of discernment trained by constant practice in the word of God to distinguish good from evil. So when we have our little children and we, we do not let them play in the front yard unattended because they they can't discern that line, you know, that curb, that sidewalk from passing from the front yard, which is safe, and into the street that is not safe. They don't have that discernment. They'll kick their ball out into the middle of the street and just run out in the middle and get run over by a car. And so we see those things. We don't just set our children out to go and to do whatever they want because they don't have that proper discernment yet, right? They don't have the ability to to know what is safe for them and what is not safe for them. So we have to protect them. But now as we grow older, oh, it would be silly if I had something roll out of my garage and out into the middle of the street and I just blindly ran right out into the street and, and in some sort of panic to collect whatever I was trying to collect and I end up getting hit by a car. Well, that, you know, I, I, I see some things, signs in neighborhoods that caution, you know, slow children at play, right? I've never seen one, and I don't know, maybe now some of you are going to put this in your in front of your house. I've never seen someone put a sign in front of their house, caution, immature adult at play, and may run out into the middle of the street at any moment. I've never seen that, because by the time we reach adulthood, we should be mature enough to understand that we're not going to just run out into the street chasing after something that gets loose from our garage. Neither should we fall for lies. Neither should we, as mature Christians, fall for false doctrines of human cunning and craftiness and deceitful schemes. We shouldn't be falling for that because we're in the Word of God, we're learning, and we're coming under the knowledge of Jesus Christ, and we are growing as a mature congregation and mature community because God has created the church so that we can be equipped and so we can be mature and so that we can end up speaking the truth in love, which is the third mark of a mature community, which is the ability to speak the truth in love. Notice back at our main text in verses 15 and 16 in Ephesians chapter 4, it says, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body is joined together and held together by every joint which it is it, it is equipped, excuse me, when each part, notice this, this is, this is our role, this is what we are supposed to be stepping into as members of the church. Each part working properly makes the body grow, and here it is, so that it builds itself up in love. The only way to be built up in love is to speak the truth in love. And we have a very hard time doing that because of the immaturity of our culture and the immaturity of the society in which we live. And in many places, that society and that cultural conditioning is forming the way 
that we understand the scriptures, and we should be doing it just the opposite. We should be taking the scriptures and using that for our lens to by which to view the rest of society. So what do we do if the church is supposed to be this community of people that are coming together and they're becoming equipped to serve and minister to one another and they're coming together so that they can learn to speak the truth in love and that they can grow up in the maturity in Christ. What becomes the challenge? The challenge becomes that our culture is in desperate need for a mature church. Our culture is screaming out for a mature church. Even atheists are asking Christians to at least act like they believe what they believe, at least bear some resemblance to the person that they call Lord. And I believe that there are so many people that are rejecting the Christian faith today because of the lack of maturity that they see among Christians and the lack of ability for Christians to display the same moral standards and the same loving character as our Savior Jesus Christ, who we say that we are following, and so we must grow in that maturity because our culture is screaming out for that. Here are some reasons why I believe that we are in desperate need of a mature church. Reason number one is because we struggle to form a collective basis for for making moral judgments. Um, moral judgments are very tricky in a culture that um, knows that we can't treat each other a certain way, um, but yet also um, believes in this concept of um, personalized truth that believes in um, subjective morality. And so a culture that believes in subjective morality yet um, can't live that out because it really is impossible. It, it really is impossible to um, live in a family or live in any sort of organization or, or group or city or town. Um, it is impossible to say, you decide what's right for you, all decide what's right for me, because if we try that, um, we're just going to begin to bump up against one another. Um, and so our rights as individuals and our goals collectively are not going to be um, reached and lived out because we're living in this with this philosophy that doesn't match our reality. And the philosophy is really an unlivable one. And so now a lot of the immaturity and a lot of the anger and the frustration and the anxiety is the direct result of having a philosophy of subjective morality, but yet it being an impossible one. When we look at the race issues, you, you can say it that way. You can, you, you can say, well, maybe this community should be able to say this is right for them, and this community should say this is right for them. And when those two are at oppositions or at odds, we should just leave them both alone so that that community can do that, and that community can do that. We are not saying that at all in our community today, are we? We're, we're not, because that's impossible. That's impossible. You can't say tell one sector of society, well, you just do your thing, and that sector of society to do that thing. That's just impossible. But yet, because we have, by and large, bought into an unlivable, unlivable philosophy, our culture has nowhere to look for an example, and that creates this incredible opportunity for the church to come together and to grow up in Christ and to be equipped to minister to one another. So when our culture is spinning out of control with an unlivable philosophy, they can come to the church and it's not that they're trying to be entertained or somehow pacified and somehow just make the feel good so that they'll come back, but they'll actually hear the truth spoken in love. 
by a mature group of people. The second thing that is going on in our culture today is that the political leanings of many Christians are shaped are shaping, excuse me, the political leanings of many Christians are shaping the way that they view Scripture instead of the Scriptures forming political leanings. In other words, we're taking our political stance, whether we're Democrat, Republican, or Independent, or any other um, issue that's going on there, and then we're taking our policies and our, and our political platform, and we're using that as a filter by which to understand Scripture. And so you have churches divided. You have churches divided between liberal and conservative, Democrat and Republican, and that should not be. We also have what is called the sacred-secular split, which many people say, well, my Bible is my personal way of living, but then my politics are, are, are my secular kind of life and how I view and how I vote and how I support and do that. I keep this private and I keep that public. That's not scripture. That is a very immature way to understand spirituality. And if we would be speaking the truth in love, being equipped to serve one another, growing in maturity in Christ, we will begin to see that the Bible becomes our filter for understanding the rest of reality and that our Bibles become um, that which glues our life together as one, that we don't have a private and public. We don't have a sacred or a secular. We have one life to live, and it is shaped by becoming and being a follower of Jesus Christ. And then finally, a third reason why I think this is such an amazing opportunity for the church today is this, that many in our country struggle to deal with what is called group loyalty and individual rights. We tend to be bumping up against that because how do I, how do I be, remain loyal to my group? How do I remain loyal to my ethnicity or my culture or my history or my part of the world or my family? How do I remain loyal to that group? But also how do I live out my individual rights? And some in our society emphasize in-group morality and in-group issues while other parts of our society are emphasizing um, individual rights. And in the church, that seems to kind of crash into it each, each other, right? And we begin to have this internal turmoil where I might have the right to do something and the freedom to do something, but what if my group will reject me because of that? Or how is my group telling me to live out my individual rights? And we become so frustrated and we become so angry. We become so full of anxiety and depression and frustration that we begin to act out in the immature ways that we see so prevalent in our society today. So all the way back to the introduction of my time with you today is that we see this immaturity on display in all of these crazy ways today. Um, people lashing out in anger, people um, name-calling, um, immature jokes, all of these kinds of things, and the silent treatment and cancel culture and all of these things going on because we are so frustrated by our lack of ability to take the scriptures and allow the scriptures to form the basis for which we view all other reality because then we will have the ability to know how to live in community as individuals and make a contribution to 
people's lives. So I hope as you follow along with me today and as you look at this passage of, of Scripture in Ephesians, you see the important reason why God founded the church was to equip saints for ministry and for the maturing of God's people into the fullness of, into the fullness of Christ. And I pray that you'll spend some time with this passage of scripture this week and praying and seeing God and asking the Lord, how are you growing in maturity? How are you contributing to the maturity of others that are around you? And are we at the retreat church or whatever church you attend, are we at the retreat church being equipped and growing in maturity? Am I and the other leaders doing their job to equip you so that you can minister one to another and so that we all can grow up into the maturity of Christ. God bless you. We'll see you next time.